I stand up with us? great and awesome. Uh, Lord, we uh, gather here today, Lord, to um, lift up one voice to you, Lord, to praise you, to glorify you for um, the great many blessings that you've given us, most of all, sending your own son, Lord, to die on the cross, Lord, so we can have eternal life, Lord. And because of that this morning, Lord, we can be joyful, Lord, we can sing out to you and hope and we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. How lovely is 
thanks for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. I sing beneath the shadow of your Father, how beautiful, how majestic is your name. And we just pray, Lord, knowing that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we pray, Lord, that you would just touch our hearts and our lives today. And change lives, Father, for your sake, for the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
you to just move in our hearts this morning, Lord. We ask you to open up our ears, Lord. Speak through Judd, Lord, as um, you want to speak to us, God. Um, I pray as um, we sit down, Lord, that we would um, have our full attention on you and your word, Lord, that 
whatever cares of this past week or the coming week uh, may pop up, Lord, we would just set those aside for now, Lord, and be able to just listen to what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Children, you're dismissed to Children's Church. You may be seated. Wowzers. We have a lot of folks out today, and they missed it, didn't they? That was wonderful. Thank all of you. That was great. Um, that was just well done. Well, if he teaches them, and he's going to give the Sermon on the Mount, it's the greatest sermon by the greatest preacher uh, who ever lived. And he begins with the Beatitudes in Matthew. And each Beatitude has a structure. Uh, as you can see up here, each Beatitude has blessed are, and then you fill it in for theirs is. Uh, that is the structure of each beatitude. It's, it's a principle and a promise, and then he gives a picture. And so Matthew 3, we just talked about the recognition of God's grace, to be poor in spirit. Um, it is what the mind's eye sees. And Matthew 4, 5, 4 is the emotion that follows that recognition. It's what our heart feels. If we're poor in spirit, we'll mourn over our sin and the sin of the world. And then 5-5, five, five, meekness is the action. It's, it's how we react. It's neither spinelessness nor stiff-necked, but it's that humble confidence that comes of somebody who understands who God is, who they are, and what he's done for them. And finally, uh, as we looked last week, is the motivation underlying all the above, what our soul craves. Uh, it is a recognition of where we are poor in spirit, we're dependent on God, and the emotion that follows that, the action, and underlying all that is this motivation of what our soul craves. And so today we come to Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so I wanted to begin this uh, sermon with just a little illustration, and then it's a video, and then we'll get started. Tonight, outrage over the mercy rule in one youth football league. Suspensions and fines for too many touchdowns. KCRA is live in, uh, Dirk, uh, I should say, Richard Sharp is live in Yuba City with why parents are mad and why the league says this is a necessary precaution, Richard. Yeah, you won't find them here in, uh, at the high school level, but at the younger leagues, a mercy rule prevents one team from beating another team too badly. Well, in one league, it was happening so much they had to stiffen the penalties for those violations. Home video of the Sutter Huskies junior team. Number 37 slows down intentionally so he doesn't score and risk breaking the mercy rule. He's thrown to the ground, a penalty. Parents say an aggressive rule is putting their kids at risk. The chances for injury are so much higher. But the NorCal Federation Youth League says the players should never have been in that position in the first place. And the mercy rule is meant to protect losing teams from being beaten so badly it ruins their desire to play at all. We lose a lot of football players because of that. The league says there's so much of a disparity between talent on these teams that the mercy rules create a level playing field. For example, if one team's up by more than 28 points at the half, first string's got to sit out. The second and third string get more play time. And the biggest change this year, if by the end of the game, one team is ahead of the other by more than 35 points, that coach gets suspended a week and the team gets fined $200. 
James McHugh is a kicker for Sutter Huskies and says the mercy rule is hurting the team. How is it affecting you personally? Can't kick field goals or practice my field goals. And parents say the rule is hurting their players' development. Now they're afraid their coaches are going to get suspended and they're not going to have a coach to come out here and teach them how to play football. But the league says so many teams were breaking the rules last year, they had to get tough on teams winning by huge margins. Now, last year, the team said they had um, 30 violations. The league said they had 30 violations last year. So far this year, with the new uh, rule in place, they have had no violations, even though the season is young. Live in Yuba City, I'm Richard Chubb, KCRA 3 News. The mercy rule gone awry there. Uh, I guess I, I found out, I read, I didn't read the paper closely. I saw that the, the high school down Valley 1, apparently they might have needed to install the mercy rule there. But it got, me in, it got me interested. I'm thinking of mercy. You're looking on the internet. What does the world think about mercy? The biggest things were the mercy rule. So I looked it up. It is a rule that was implemented, sometimes known as the skunk rule, playing ping pong. Uh, brings sports events to an early end when one team has a very large and presumably insurmountable lead over the other. It's called the, now catch this, the mercy rule because it spares the losing team humiliation of suffering a more formal loss. And so you have the mercy rule there. Well, maybe you're not into sports. Uh, maybe this picture of, uh, do you remember this show of Ming the Merciless? Uh, he just doesn't look like there's any mercy in him. He needs to read the Beatitudes uh, or listen to this. Maybe this hits closer to home. Uh, I'll give you a certain date. Friday, October 4th, 2013, 8.05 a.m., Lieutenant Simpkins pulls over and they flashed up a Colorado driver's license who was going 27 in a 25, but it was the school zone, which somebody wasn't paying attention to. And so you pull your car over and you pray, Lord, show me some mercy. Because that's what, that's what happened. And he said, do you realize what you're doing? I was like, yeah, I, I, I thought I was right around 25. He said, yeah, you're 27, but it's a, it's a school zone. And I'm like, oh, I never drive through that zone at that time. But praise the Lord, an officer and a gentleman, I was shown Mercy. Mr. Rumley, you can just carry on, realize, and I said, praise the Lord, because those tickets are expensive. But the law said this is what should have happened. The officer at his discretion, and according to his standards, what he could do, allowed it to go as a warning. And so we get into this issue of mercy. What does it look like? What does it mean? How do we display it in our lives? Uh, let me pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you uh, for your mercy. And teach us today from your word what mercy means according to the scriptures, not according to uh, rules that can be violated in sports leagues, uh, not according to movies, but according to the truth of the scripture. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 5, 7 again, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now let me give a big disclaimer here first. This is not legalism. This is not if you do mercy, then God will be merciful. Let's read it closely. Blessed are, they are the merciful. This is who they are. This describes them. They do not become merciful by showing mercy. There's a, there's a, 
play here. You, you don't do mercy and then become merciful. You are merciful and then show it. And so the merciful act accordingly, this isn't achieving righteousness. This is living out what is already achieved for you. Definition, what is mercy? It's being actively compassionate. And you're thinking, well, how does that differ from grace? Because grace and mercy often get used in the Bible. Let me explain it to you this way. Grace is the legal pardon. It is, is getting what you do not deserve or it's being released from something that you do deserve. It's legal pardon. Mercy is the tangible compassion that goes with that. For instance, let's say that the officer did write the ticket and then I do go to court and then the judge says, you know what? This is your first offense or whatever it is by law. I could make you do this. However, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to show you mercy. The judge can do that and not be loving at all. He could be matter of fact. First time offense, you're out of here. Don't ever let me see you again. And he could be gracious in a sense of legally pardon me from the ticket, but he could be mercilessness, full of no mercy because he didn't care about my feelings or he didn't care about who I was. He just said, you're done, get out of here. Mercy is grace with tangible compassion. If grace is for the guilty, mercy is for the miserable because that's what I would have been had I showed up and had to pay that ticket, miserable. And so where do we get this concept of mercy? Where does this come from in the first place? Well, we're gonna look at three things today. We're gonna look at our merciful God his merciful gift to us, and then Christians were conduits of God's mercy. Because if we're talking about mercy, the first place we need to go is not to some uh, internet video. It's not to some movie. We go to the word of God and not just the word of God. We go to what it says about God himself. And so we're going to look at our merciful God and we're going to look at the character and conduct of the sovereign creator of the universe. In the slide up there, you should have about, uh, you should see about five different Uh, verses from the Old Testament, from Old Testament history, Old Testament uh, wisdom, Old Testament prophecy, from Exodus all the way through Nehemiah. These verses have something in common. It's one of the most common descriptions of God. And you can look at it like this. I just pulled up one that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love or abounding in loving kindness. Gracious and merciful. So there you see the distinction. He, he pardons those whom he doesn't have to pardon based upon what his son did. And he is merciful when he does it. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Did you know that not only is God merciful, it's something he desires. Look at Matthew nine thirteen. You can see it up there. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It is, a, it is who God is in his character. It's something he desires of those made in his image. And so what does he do? Does God do mercy? This is the, this is the mercy of God on display. Who God is, what he does, mercy is what he also displays. And let me tell you the logic. More often than not, when you see the logic of mercy, you see this in place, that God is rich in glory. You can go to those verses and see it. It literally talks about his riches, his wealth, and his glory. 
But more often than not, when it talks about mercy and kindness, it talks about it in the terms of riches. It's the wealth of his, disclo- of his glory. It's, it's God's riches in his character displayed in his mercy. We're just going to look at 1, Romans 2, 4, where it says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, the riches of his kindness? He could have just said kindness. Do you presume upon the kindness and forbearance and patience? But he said the riches. And so what all the authors are trying to display, because you see this all throughout the New Testament, is here's a God who is so incredible, so immeasurable. He's saying there's the riches of his glory, and he shows that in the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So in his mercy, he waits and he is kind and he works with the unbeliever and the believer in the same way. And so if First John says God is love, we could easily say God is mercy. I, I'm after studying this, we could easily say the gospel is the gospel of God's mercy. And it's best seen in the words and the works of Jesus. And since we're in Matthew, we're going to stay in Matthew. I just want to show you another place in Matthew, Matthew 12, 7. Where he says, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. And so twice in Matthew, he flips back to the Old Testament. He's saying in his words, I desire mercy. And it's something that he also demands. Something that Jesus demands. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, what are you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? We learned about that last week. The hypocrite is one who play, act, play acts. They put on the mask. They're really somebody, but then they put on this mask and act, act like somebody else. And so yesterday, my boys got their Halloween costume, and they were there was Luke. And then you look a few minutes later, and then Luke was no longer Luke. Luke was a ninja because he had his mask on. And so Jesus is saying here, what are you scribes and Pharisees? You play act. You, you are one thing, but you pretend to be another. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and look what he puts up there, and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You are blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so God is a God of mercy. He's a God who desires mercy, and he's a God who demands mercy from those who are made in his image. And Jesus is the perfect example of one who shows mercy. So we see it in his words and we see it in his works. On the next slide, we're not going to flip there, but I, I chose to kind of stick in Matthew because you could have gone from Genesis to Revelation. We could have had a big study on the idea of mercy. But even in Matthew, where the Sermon on the Mount is, you see Jesus showing mercy. He bookends his ministry in Matthew 7. So he gives the Sermon on the Mount in 5 through 7. He starts his miracles in 8 and 9. And so at the beginning of his ministry and at the end from 21 to 28, you're going to see him go and it's his passion week that he goes to the cross for our sins. But he bookends his ministry with two different scenarios of two blind people. And what do they say to Jesus? Jesus, have mercy on us. And he opens the eyes of the blind. Bookends his ministry. Because you and I were at one time blind. And Jesus, though maybe not our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes, he opens the eyes of the blind in his mercy. 
In the middle, in Matthew 15, outsiders are welcomed into the family. And I do want to read this. Turn there if you want. Matthew 15, it's not up there. But Jesus, in his mercy, a Canaanite woman comes to him. And she says, have mercy, O on me, O Lord, my son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed with a demon. And if you remember that story, he says, I haven't come uh, to the Canaanites. I've only come to the Jew. I shouldn't give my, my wealth to dogs. And she said, ah, but even the dogs pick up the scraps under the table. To which he ends that um, situation with her. He says, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. You desire mercy, I show you mercy. And his daughter was healed instantly. In another gospel, Jesus actually calls her a daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Outsiders are welcomed in as family. And in Matthew 17, the physically oppressed are delivered from disease. And so the blind have their eyes opened, the outsiders are welcomed in, and the oppressed are delivered all because Jesus is merciful. And here's what's interesting in all these instances. In every single instance, they're crying out for mercy. Jesus is made aware of their situation because they said, have mercy on me. This is what's going on. Do we do this? Do we let people know our pain? Are are we like a, a hospital waiting room and we let people know what's hurting, where our weakness is, where our pain is? Or are we more like uh, college grads in a conference room, you know, waiting at a career fair, trying to be impressive, all buttoned up, so to speak? Mercy comes to those who cry out for it. Do we cry out for this? We mustn't be afraid to cry out for mercy. And that means, yes, you cry out to the Lord, but you also let others know when you're hurting. And this mercy that Jesus shows comes by his grace. He didn't have to do it to any of these people. He chose to do it. And he would go on and he would do something even greater. He would go give the ultimate sacrifice, his life, that we might see the greatest mercy, our salvation. It cost him everything. His mercy cost us nothing. And so that is, that is God, our merciful God. It's, be, it's best seen in Jesus, his son. But then God gives us mercy as a gift. You see it in the New Testament. I'm going to show you a few places. He gives his mercy to us and he gives his mercy through us. To us, it comes like this. God is in the heaven and he does as, his, as he pleases. Psalm 115.3. But a great place you see God's mercy that you probably have never tied mercy to is in Romans 9. Romans 9.14. What shall we say then? On the heels of why does God do what he does? Why is he the way he is? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. May it never be. Meganoita. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So then it, de- it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Another sermon for another day, but something to chew on. Election is all about the mercy of God. 
Verse 23. Why does he do it this way? Verse 23 of the same chapter. In order to make known the riches, there's that word, is the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. We're to carry that mercy to the world that's hurting, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. God is in absolute control. And so here's this sovereign God. And what do we do as believers? We cry out. In Psalm 51, David, individually for the own sin in his life, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. There's that, that idea there that this mercy from God is rich. Blot out my transgressions. Or you see in Luke 18, you remember the story of the the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee says, you know, I I really thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other men. Uh, Extortioners, the unjust, adulterers. And he kind of turns his nose down or even this tax collector. And juxtaposed to that, the tax collector says, but standing far off, he he didn't even feel uh, free to come near the temple. He didn't feel free to do this, standing far off. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't just proudly pronounce, you know, I fast twice a week, I give tithes. He, he hit his eyes and he beat his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. You do it, we do it individually. And we do it corporately. Psalm 123.1 or 123.3, have mercy on us. It's a plural there. These are the songs of ascent. They're going up to Jerusalem. They're going to worship the Lord. And the congregation comes together and they say, have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have had more more than enough of contempt. And so that is the sovereign God and that is our cry. But there there is danger for those who are not merciful. Ming, there's danger. You remember the, the account in Matthew 18 where uh, the, the person was brought before the judge and he said, uh, you have this insurmountable debt. And he cried out and he said, have mercy on me. Have patience with me and I'll pay everything. And it, here's a great insight into mercy. Out of pity, there's the emotion, out of pity for him, the master released him. He forgave him. Out of compassion, There was an action that followed, actively compassionate. Out of pity for him, he released the debt. And you know the story, the man goes on and he has somebody that's in debt to him and he doesn't release him from that debt. And so later on in that passage, uh, it comes back to the judge. You mean to tell me I released you of this insurmountable debt, but you wouldn't release someone from this debt? And this judge says in verse 33, and you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And so the judge who sees, feels pity, there's that emotion, there's that mourning, there's that poor in spirit, shows action and has mercy. And he goes on to say, and in his anger delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also, Jesus says, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Strong words from a strong savior. All that's captured nice and well in James 2, 12 through 13. So speak, this is to us, so speak and so act that those who will be judged by the law of liberty for judgment without mercy to, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's God's gift to us. Amen. That God could judge us. God in, in his, in his, uh, Rights as the creator of the universe, the one who made the laws of the universe. And we went and we broke that. We are in a long line of sinners, broke that. 
And God in his mercy said, no, I'm not going to send you to hell. Praise be to God. That's his gift to us. And his gift comes through us. Look at Romans 12, 8. It says this, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, this is a little section on gifts, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads, if you're a leader, lead with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So when you are merciful, you should be cheerful. You should be full of joy. It's not the mopey merciful. It's the joyful merciful. We should be doing it with joy. And did you know, so that in Romans 12, 8 talks about the gifts that some has. I would say my sweet wife has the gift of mercy. She can identify those who are in pain and knows how to speak to them and, and love on them. But all of us are called to this. Look at 2 Corinthians 1. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he's the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts who comforts us in all our affliction. Now watch this. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. All of us have opportunity to show mercy and every misery can be shown some mercy. Meaning you don't have to have experienced the exact same thing to show mercy. It helps. It's helpful. But according to this verse, unless I'm reading it wrong, he comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So all my afflictions are helpful in comforting those who are in any affliction. That's God's gift to us. And then it's God's gift through us. And like I mentioned, some of us are gifted in this way and Quite honestly, some of us, this is, this is what we need to work on. For whatever reason, and many people are brought up different ways. Nobody gives excuses, but there's a context with which people are brought up. And if you're brought up in a culture where everybody was getting a medal for participation, right? That's what the culture, we're bringing up, get a medal for participation. Just show up and you're, you're, you get a win. Uh, some of us have gone down that road of, no, we're just going to play by the rules and we're just going to go at it and we're not going to show emotion and we're just like this and we can be merciless. We can, we, can, we can be without mercy. And so, quite honestly, this sermon is for me. You're sitting here, I'm preaching to myself. May the Lord bless you if you glean from it, but I am preaching to myself. And so what do we do? We have an opportunity to receive. Look at Hebrews uh, 4, 14 through 16. What a great section of that letter. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, praise the Lord, but one who who in every respect was tempted as we are. Every temptation you and I face, he faced. Every temptation. Go back to Matthew 4, read it slowly. He was tempted with uh, relevance, popularity, power. And each time he went to the word of God, each time he humbled himself. Every temptation we have, yet he did it without sin. Then we should draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Like I said last week when we talked about righteousness, that if, you were, if I were to get a phone call from my banker and he were to say, 
hey, I just want you to know, by, he, would, he would say this, by God's grace alone, your bank account is uh, basically unending and immeasurable. So, like I could go out and spend a million dollars today and there'd still be money in my account? Yes. Really? I could go out and I could just purchase a house with cash and, and then basically it wouldn't be drained. That's what I'm telling you. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But Tuesday, <laughs> great. Tuesday, we'll have it in by Tuesday. But that's a beautiful picture of God's righteousness that's imputed to us. And along with that comes this abundant mercy. There's never, you'll never, ex- God, I need mercy. Have mercy on me that I may be merciful to others. You know, I've reached my limit, Judd. I've only got a little bit more mercy. I'm waiting to give that to your wife because she's kind of got the gift. That's not what he does. He just pours it out and you go to the throne of grace and you receive mercy and grace for the time of need. And so there is our merciful God. There's his gifts to us and through us to others. And so that leads us to what should we be? Christians, we should be conduits of God's mercy. Conduits? Somebody said, how are you going to throw that into a picture? A conduit is a pipe or a tube through which something passes, right? And in electricity, you have wires that pass through a conduit. Water passes through a conduit. And so we shouldn't be cul-de-sacs of God's grace, right? God, give me the grace. Let it just kind of flood my cul-de-sac and just like let it sit here. We should be conduits. God, show me mercy. And mercy comes to me, and then I show mercy to others. We receive it by his grace. It's his gift to us. We give it with his grace. It's his gift through us. That's why Romans 9 said we are vessels of mercy. Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 4 that we are just jars of clay, picks up the water, carries it to its need, and and God does that for us. He works through us to others. And what we should show when we're showing mercy, according to that parable where the, the judge had pity and forgave, is we should show, literally show compassion and forgiveness. Not all, it doesn't always have to be tied together, but there's an aspect of compassion. Do you know what compassion means? In Latin, it means with suffering. That we choose to feel the effects of others' burdens. How would... How would they feel in this situation? How often do we do that? How often do we put ourselves, we talk about it a lot, put yourself in somebody else's, but how do, do we feel their burden? Number one, have they shared their burden with us? Remember, we've got to cry out for mercy, but do we feel it? Or do we assume, well, this is the way you, this always works. I mean, this is your position. This is how, have you ever felt that person's burden? Put yourself in their shoes. Sat, said, you know what? I'm not going to literally do it, but what does a day look like for you? So you walk in their shoes and you go, okay, whoa. And so you're with passion, you're with suffering, you're compassionate. I'd like to do that more often. I need to do that more often. And then you extend forgiveness that you choose to feel the effects of others' burden and you choose to allow the cross to be the bearer of others' sins. You allow that to absorb them. Not your neighbor, not your small group. Uh, The first step in peacemaking, and we're going to see this in two weeks, this is the first step. You come and you gather, you extend forgiveness. Next week, we'll look at the pure in heart. 
But I want to end. I don't often do this, but I'm dressed Baptisty today. I want to end with a poem and a prayer. How about that? It's true. Okay, I have it up here. This is one of this is a modern hymn. This is one of the greatest uh, modern hymns I've heard. But it, it captures the idea of mercy. It should be up here. It's by Cademan's Call. It's called "Thy Mercy, My God." Thy mercy, my God, is the theme of my song, the joy of my heart, and the boast of my tongue. Thy free grace alone, from the first to the last, hath won my affection and bound my soul fast. That's powerful. Free grace alone from the beginning, from the moment I bowed my knee until the moment I die or he comes to take us home. It's about free grace. It's part of God's mercy. Without thy sweet mercy, I could not live here. Sin would reduce me to utter despair. Think about it. God's mercy on us is such that we don't, aren't consumed with our own personal sin and the sin of the world. But through thy free goodness, my spirits revive. And he who first made us still keeps us alive. Thy mercy is more than a match for my heart, which wanders to fill, wonders to fill its own hardness depart. Dissolved by thy goodness, I fall to the ground and weep for the praise of the mercy I've found. And he ends much like we ended the, that one song today. Great father of mercy, thy goodness I own in the covenant of thy crucified son. All praise to the spirit. There's the Trinity whose whisper divine seals mercy and pardon and righteousness mine. That is good theology wrapped up in a song. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to read through a prayer and we'll take communion. Uh, We're actually going to have that song playing while we do that as Mr. Jim comes to do communion and then we'll be dismissed. But I want you to see there's a prayer on your... um, chair. I'm going to read it and then I'll pray and we'll be done. But this, for me this week in preparing for this sermon, this was the, this was a prayer that when I read it, quite honestly, I'm just sharing it with you because I was convicted. I'm just sharing with you where I was convicted. So if you want to know the details, come up and talk to me after, but here I read this prayer and I'm like, I'm sharing it with everybody. Oh, father, how we need mercy. Amen. We sin every day. Amen. We fall short of your command to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are lukewarm in our affections, i.e. we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. All our motives, even at their best, are mixed. Are we truly pure in heart? We murmur. We murmur. We are anxious about tomorrow. We get angry too quickly. We desire uh, what we ought not be desired. We get irritated at the very attitudes in others that we ourselves displayed five minutes before. Ouch. Ouch. I'll just share, you know, I can do that with my kids. Luke, don't do this. Well, wait a second. I was, I'm the idiot that just did that. If you do not show mercy to us, we are undone. Oh, if God did not show mercy to me back in Dallas when I was living it up, I would have been done. Done. Spent. Going to hell. Oh God, let us see the mercy of Christ and savor it for what it is. See it in his scriptures. Savor it in our souls. Grant us the power to comprehend his love. Incline us to read and ponder the stories of the mercy of Jesus in the Gospels. Let us admire what he did. 
that we may imitate him. But let it be much more than external imitation. Catch this. It's not just obedience. It's not just following the rules because the Bible said it and then the pastor reset it. It's from a heart that's deeply in love with Jesus. Let it come from a heart where we've been broken by our sin. There's poor in spirit. Where we've come to cherish mercy and live by mercy and hope in mercy and long for mercy. Make the mercy of Jesus the greatest beauty of the Savior in our eyes. Let us behold and beholding become like then him. That's what I said last week. Be and become who you already are. Looking to Jesus, letting him form you and conform you to his image. And bend this taste of mercy outward so that we may show it. Make us full of his mercy that we might show mercy. Fulfill in us the command to do justice and love mercy. Catch that. Fulfill in us the command. Fulfill in us what you already expect of us. That is the true heart of prayer. Let us love showing mercy. Make it so much a part of us that it is who we are. So unite us to Christ that it's his mercy is our mercy. Our mercy is a presenting of Christ. He is all we have to give in the end. Glorify his mercy, Father, in our faith and in our patience. Thank you. Oh, thank you for Christ and your mercy to us in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for Dr. Piper and his putting pen to paper and recording his prayers for us. I thank you for Cademan's call, putting pen to paper and recording a song for us. But most importantly, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who authored the scriptures and authored the beatitude. Blessed are those who are merciful for they shall be shown mercy. Lord, if we are just to reflect back on all the mercy that you have shown us even today, even up until 11, 10 in the morning, we didn't have to wake up uh, next to our spouse. We didn't have to wake up next to our spouse who's still breathing and caring and serving. It wasn't... Uh, given to us that we should have our car work this morning or our refrigerator work or there to be food in our pantry or that our homes were not burglarized last night. There could have been people outside this building today, Lord, that wouldn't have allowed us in picketing and protesting Bible thumpers. But in your grace, through the mundane and the majestic. You have shown us much mercy today. I pray by all the mercy that we miss, but those better yet, the mercies that we see, that we would become who we already are. Let us show mercy to everyone. Let us let others know when we're hurting and in pain so that mercy may be shown to us. Help us to enter into the shoes of other people and help us to show truth and love, to show compassion and forgiveness. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.